Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome to the show, Ridiculous Historians, friends and neighbors. Thank you for tuning in. If you are like some of us in the studio today, uh, perhaps you uh, did some extracurriculars in high school or maybe even college. Perhaps you were one of those uh, student council members or something of the ilk, maybe Model UN or so on. Um, But let us know. My name is Ben. Are you accusing our audience of being nerds, Ben? No, no. I, I actually, I was in student council and took it pretty far. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> what about what about you, Noel? Were uh, you a, a civic-minded uh, tyke? No, no. I was an artsy type of nerd. I was in the orchestra, and I got beat up for that Ooh. instead of being in student council. Did you physically get beat up? Not really. Oh. No, no. I was a very pacifist child. And I went to a fine arts magnet school, so it was cool to be in the orchestra at those schools. But then I had a real culture shock situation when I switched from my fine arts magnet school mm-hmm. uh, to a public high school in Birmingham, Alabama that was uh, primarily focused on sport. And it was a real uh, adjustment, let's say. Roll Tide? Oh, big time. Big Roll Tide. Okay. What does that even mean? I, you know what? Tides roll. Uh, I remember I had asked somebody about this on a previous episode. Right. Uh, Yeah, it's for, it's for the Crimson Tide. I hear it's, according to Urban Dictionary, Roll Tide can be used as a greeting, a departure, or to smooth rough ties between people and shut others up. Roll Tide. So it's it's a catch-all. Let's introduce our super producer, Casey Pegram. Casey, were you a uh, a student fond of, of civic organizations in your time? No, I was a band kid. I was in the orchestra. I was in the marching band, all that good stuff. Did you get beaten up? No, 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 I didn't get beaten up. It That's was good. we we kind of had like a an understanding. You know? Yeah, yeah, and you were uh, you were one of the percussion kids, right? You were on the drum line. That is true. played played snare in marching band and uh, tended to play snare in like orchestra and band too. He's one of the cool ones. Absolutely. I'm sorry, Casey. I'm going to keep you on the case for just a second longer. When you say we had an understanding, what do you mean by that? I think we just kind of uh, stuck to our own like territory, you know. 
Sure. Just didn't try to like get up in each other's business. And, and by in each other, are you talking about you guys versus the jocks? Yeah, the okay. jocks or mm-hmm. like the preppy kids got or it. the skater kids or whatever. It. It's just like everybody just kind of like be cool. So I got factions. My, yeah, I, I, I transversed a lot of factions because I did the student council thing for a while. I ran the uh, school's literary mag in high school. I was a drama person, but my real key to the owning the means of production was I ran the announcements. Ooh. Which was uh, quickly became a terrible comedy sketch show. Keys to the kingdom, my friend. Uh, and yeah. Casey on the case. And uh, we are talking about civic organizations or these sorts of extracurricular activities for a reason today. You see, many people who later go on to be politicians or enter a life of public service start pretty young, right? In in our modern days, and for most generations of people listening to the show today, we all had something like student council, right? Meaning that we all had these these ways to practice what could later be a career. Today's episode is about someone who was elected to U.S. Congress and uh, someone who was an historic first in the in congressional history of our country, also someone that, uh, I'll just say it, I had not heard of before. I had not either, and his name is John Willis Menard. Uh, and on February 27th of 1869, he uh, became the first African-American to address the U.S. House, and he uh, was from Louisiana. And this all had to do with the passage of the 15th Amendment when African-Americans were first allowed to vote. Mm-hmm. John Willis Menard was born in 1838 in Randolph County in southern Illinois in a town with a really cool name, Kaskaskia. I think you got that right, man. You think so? I think so. Well, we'll find out, Illinois listeners. <laughs> let us know. Uh, and details of his early life, as you may imagine, given the time frame here, are very scarce. All that we know, all that historians know about this is that we're certain his family, uh, what he and his family were free. We think that both of his parents were born in Illinois, but they may have also had ties to New Orleans. Yeah, there's indications that they were of French Creole descent. Exactly, exactly. You know, Menard spent his first 18 years in this town where he worked on a farm, a very normal thing. Uh, He attended a school in Sparks, Illinois, an abolitionist school, and then he went on to attend Iberia College. That's right. And he was just 22 when he first published an address to the free colored people of Illinois, which was a treatise, uh, an abolitionist treatise that really espoused his position on the notion that slavery was one of the greatest evils in all mankind. That's right. So he already had this this knack for public speech, right, for civil service. And during the Civil War, he became the first African-American to work as a clerk at the Bureau of Immigration at the Interior Department in D.C. And this meant that he was going to travel internationally representing the United States. He traveled to Belize, and his mission in Belize was something that, that could seem very controversial today. His mission was to investigate Belize to evaluate whether it would be a good 
foreign country for African-Americans to relocate to. Yeah, and it's like it's – I mean <laughs> – I guess it's, it's, it is very problematic because it's like were they trying to figure out if they could like send them there? Was it a place they would go of their own free will? I mean they were free men, but the notion of establishing a colony, quote unquote, even that word is, is, is rife, uh, in a largely non-white uh, country like that was a little problematic or would be seen as a little problematic today. And he was sent there by President Lincoln himself. Yes, exactly. And this is the thing. If we put ourselves back in the time and place, right, back in Menard's time and place, then what we see is that he personally thought this was the right move. He thought this was a good and promising idea, and he was by no means alone. This is almost a, a another branch of the story. He He was on a mission, and he did believe in this mission. However, as we know, there was not a – he was not spearheading a large new colony in Belize. He eventually left the Interior Department to become active in Louisiana during Reconstruction, and he created two newspapers, uh, the Free State and then one called the Radical Standard. Also during this time, people who create and edit newspapers – have this tremendous influence on public discourse, and it's no surprise that they are more likely than other people to move into politics. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Mint Mobile. You know, Ben, I got to say, one of the best parts about spring cleaning is that post-clean clarity you get where you're like, man, how have I been living like this? What's wrong with me? <laughs> you're right, Noel. It's, it's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. That's mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah. Um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool, I, yeah. I, I just remember, it was my dad's. I, I was a hand-me-down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car, I'd get that car. And I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody, like I was mm. in Mad Max or something, you know? I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac yeah. Bonnevilles. Right? Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, <laughs> I said El Camino and I met Monte Carlo. I miss it so. Uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. But it, it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, you know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, 
Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, Noel, have you ever wanted to wake up to something better? Oh, boy, have I ever been. <laughs> well, uh, this is where Avalon Waterways comes in. How does waking up to a medieval castle, an ancient cathedral, a rolling vineyard, or a charming cobblestone village sound to you? Well, here on Ridiculous History, that's right up our street, Ben, our charming cobblestone street. So I can say it sounds pretty good to me. You're absolutely right, Noel. Avalon Waterways has redefined cruising in so many different ways. They've got the uh, widest opening windows. They've got beds that face the passing scenery. So wherever you go, you have a front row seat to the views of the world. And not only do you wake up in the best staterooms in the entirety of the business, but you're waking up in a new port every day, right in the heart of these amazing historic cities. Ah, Ben, sign me up. Open your eyes to a better view and a different kind of cruising. One with smaller ships, bigger experiences, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. So in 1868, there's a special election in New Orleans uh, to fill a seat formerly occupied by James Mann, who was a Democrat, uh, and he had died in office. And Menard, who was a Republican, just goes to show how different uh, right. those parties were in those days than they are today, uh, was elected on November 3rd to the seat in Louisiana's 2nd Congressional District. And he won with the majority of votes. Mm -hmm. And this is this was a historical moment because he became the very first African-American to do that. Enter in a real pill or someone who at the very least was <laughs> was not happy the election. And that is Caleb S. Hunt, who was Menard's opponent in this situation. Caleb S. Hunt takes this to the House Committee on Elections. And he says, look— this is this is not right. And he has more than a tinge of racism when he's saying this, does Caleb S. Hunt. Uh, and I challenge this. I think these results are malarkey. And so the House Committee on Elections, they huddle together with themselves, and they cannot come up with a, a neat way to resolve this. So the case continues. It goes to the House of Representatives, and the House of Representatives suspends its usual regimen of rules such that they enable Menard and Hunt to address the chamber to for each man to make his own case in front of Congress. Only one person decides to speak at the House, and that is John Willis Menard. 
And this is pretty cool. We actually have something of a historical court uh, illustration of this situation. It's an etching from the 1860s that shows Menard to be a very tall, uh, skinny man wearing a black suit, uh, at tails, in fact. Great um, mustache. Really, too. really great mustache. Um, and he's standing behind something of a very, like, Baroque-looking podium, uh, and members of Congress looked on. So just picture the scene here. Um, and Menard is holding a copy of his speech in his left hand, and he raises his right hand. This account comes from a Washington Post article called He Was the First Black Man Elected. And here's what he says. Mr. Speaker, I appear here more to acknowledge this high privilege than to make an argument before this house. Um, that is because he had been elected to the U.S. House of Representatives, but Congress denied him his post, refused to seat him. Right, right. So this speech that he drafted, it's not super, super long. It's 1,400 words, and he addresses the chamber on February 27th, 1869. In this speech, he is doing exactly what he says in the beginning, right? He he says, I'm not really here to argue with Congress. I'm here because this is such a distinct honor, a high privilege. Creole Magazine has a great article about this wherein they provide some of the context here. So in his opening statement, he essentially says, look, I want you guys to determine this case based on its merit only. Obviously, he doesn't say you guys, uh, but he does mention that his opponent, Caleb S. Hunt, did not comply with congressional law and because he did not comply, Hunt was technically not able to contest the election results. And then Menard also flexes a little and says, you know, I got more than 64% of the vote, which is really good, if we're being honest. But as you said, Noel, despite his speech, the Committee of Elections decided to rule against Menard and they did not give him the seat that he won, again, by the popular vote. But they also did not give the job to Caleb S. Hunt, which you have to wonder, like, how was this guy just universally disliked? They it did, would seem so. Yeah, yeah. They didn't give anybody, they didn't give anybody a shot at the throne. Uh, they said, according to the committee, their their finding was that both candidates were, quote, lacking in qualifications. And James A. Garfield, who went on to, of course, become the president, was at the time a member of that Congress. And he made a very pointed motion saying, quote, it was too early to admit a Negro to the U.S. Congress and that the seat be declared vacant and the salary of $5,000 saved. wonder whose pocket that goes back into. Well, that's the weird part, too. Because, yes, absolutely, the seat is left vacant for the rest of the 40th congressional term. But in the next election, someone does occupy the seat, a fellow named Joseph Rainey. Joseph Rainey is also an African-American. And Menard, at least according to the sources I could find, Menard still got paid as though he won the seat. So whatever Garfield is saying— Isn't really true. It, it, well, maybe it was true at the beginning, but somehow Menard ended up with money. Really? Yeah. Interesting. And obviously, you know, to Garfield's point or, or counter to his point, 
wasn't that much longer before it felt like the right time to admit <laughs> a black man to, yeah. to, to one of those seats. So what was – do you think it was really just uh, they thought it was too soon? Do you think I – mean, it was obviously a debate. Do you think it was outright racism? Because obviously you can, you can pass a law that says you have to treat black people the same as everybody else, but that, that law doesn't change hearts and minds right. overnight, right? Right, yeah. The letter of the law doesn't always equate to the practice of the law. Yeah, I think, I mean, clearly, okay, this is just my opinion, it would be naive to assume that racism was not a huge or indeed the primary factor here. You know, when we consider the context of the time, the fragile socio-political environment left in the wake of the Civil War, of course, stuff like this is happening even more, I, I don't know, it's unfair to say more than normal, but yes, it is. Of course, racism is a huge factor here. If anything, it's surprising that the government was able to persist in southern states in mm. Reconstruction. Yeah. Know, creating yeah. a rift that lasted uh, for multiple generations. And in some parts of the American South, people would argue that it still exists today. Absolutely. And, um, you know, before Menard was elected, a man by the name of John M. Langston had already held the position of being one of the first black men elected to a public office, any public office in the U.S., and that's according to House history. Langston actually was elected in 1855, 10 years before the end of the Civil War, uh, as a clerk of the township of Brownhelm, Ohio. Um, and from 1868 to 1898, 22 black men were elected to Congress. So you really see with the passage of that voting law, the change in the voting law, Ooh. the floodgates really opening up. But in those southern states, that probably would have been a really hard pill to swallow. And I, I don't imagine it went over particularly well right away. Yeah. One thing about people is uh, they, they have an infinite capacity to be disappointing. <laughs> I hate to say it that way, but it is true. Because that's but, the thing too, right? It was in the southern states where that had the, the, the highest density of black citizens who right. all of a sudden were given the franchise. And they had been persona non grata, non-humans, you know, treated by their white counterparts. And now all of a sudden, these folks had to make peace with the fact that these people they had treated as property formerly now had – the ability to be elected to political office, and they had to treat with respect. And that would not have been something that would have uh, just come easily. Right, yeah, and also consider that this population achieved manumission in many cases only on paper, right? The, the power structure of the American South uh, immediately spent a lot of blood, sweat, tears, time, and energy figuring out ways to keep people in de facto slavery. In fact, this reminds me, tangentially related, there was an excellent article on Vice a while back, uh, let me see, by Antoinette Harrell called Blacks Were Enslaved Well Into the 1960s. Jim Crow Laws. Jim Crow Laws, uh, sharecropping, debt slavery, you know what I mean? Like you you are, like that old song, Company Store. Right. Right? Uh, that's, that stuff is real. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? 
Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool. I, yeah, I, I just remember it was my dad's. I, I was a hand me down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car, I'd get that car, and I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody, like I was mm. in Mad Max or something. You know, I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac yeah. Bonnevilles. Right. Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, I said El Camino <laughs> and I met Monte Carlo. I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. But it, it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, you know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, Noel, have you ever wanted to wake up to something better? Oh, boy, have I ever been. <laughs> well, uh, this is where Avalon Waterways comes in. How does waking up to a medieval castle, an ancient cathedral, a rolling vineyard, or a charming cobblestone village sound to you? Well, here on Ridiculous History, that's right up our street, Ben, our charming cobblestone street. So I can say it sounds pretty good to me. You're absolutely right, Noel. Avalon Waterways has redefined cruising in so many different ways. They've got the uh, widest opening windows. They've got beds that face the passing scenery. So wherever you go, you have a front row seat to the views of the world. And not only do you wake up in the best staterooms in the entirety of the business, but you're waking up in a new port every day, right in the heart of these amazing historic cities. Ah, Ben, sign me up. Open your eyes to a better view and a different kind of cruising. One with smaller ships, bigger experiences, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. 
But Menard's story doesn't end in New Orleans. Three years later, in 1871, he moves to Jacksonville, Florida. And two years after that, in 1873, he is appointed to the House of Representatives. He fills a vacant seat in the Florida House of Representatives. So not the federal house, but the Florida house. And then there's another election in 74, which he loses. Yeah, and that was largely credited uh, by many newspapers to voter intimidation at elections, trying to suppress the black vote. Oh, yeah. And and that makes sense because this guy is uh, tremendously literate. He seems like a good representative. He continued public service, however. He was later elected to the position of Justice of the Peace for Duval County, and he was re-elected for that. I believe he served two full terms. This guy was a Renaissance man. Absolutely. So impressive. He was a poet, too. Yes, a civil rights poet. I mean, his poet poetry had, had a message for sure. And in 1879, he published a book called Lays in Summer Land. And here's a here's an excerpt of one um, that was quoted in that Washington Post article we referenced earlier. Um, Of what avail is life? Why sigh and fret? When manly hopes are only born to fade, although declared a man, a vassal yet, by social caste, a crime by heaven made. That's right. And I do want to point out that Lays in Summer Lands, for anyone interested, is available on Amazon or your book buying platform of choice. Uh, It just, well, I guess in the the grand scheme of things, we can say it recently got republished uh, in a 2002 edition. So do check it out if you are a fan of history or a fan of poetry. Uh, also, I have to say, he kept at it. He founded Key West News, the Florida News. He's a newspaper man. Uh, this later becomes known as the Southern Leader. And during this time, he takes a strong position against uh, racial segregation and becomes an advocate for oppressed people in the United States. He founded a magazine, The National American. He eventually moved up to Washington, D.C. with his wife, who he had met around the same time he was uh, in Belize, I believe. Oh, oh, it was in Jamaica. Yeah, his wife was Jamaican. Right. We didn't even mention That's right. he, he got <laughs> locked up in Jamaica, right? Yeah, yeah. he sure did. Yeah, he was actually detained as a political prisoner and deported to the U.S., which is what got him his start in New Orleans because that's where they dumped him. Right, right. Uh, He participated in the 1865 Morant Bay Rebellion in Jamaica. can't believe we almost forgot that part. I know, and I know people hate (laughs) when we skip around, but I thought that was an important one to drop in there. Do people hate it? I don't know, Ben. I I really don't don't know. You you think think we're we're in good shape? We're in good standing with the peeps? Well, a lot of – Casey, what do you think? Is this a relatively cogent – conversation? Yeah, I think they always end up feeling pretty, pretty cogent by the end. Casey on the case. Yeah, and Casey on the case because he is, yes. is he, when we say he saves the show, uh, it's not hyperbole. He, yeah. uh, you don't hear a lot of little off-mic uh, fart-arounds that we do, kind mm-hmm. of trying to get on track, and Casey smooths it all out like butter and gives it uh, gives it to your ears. Although I do suspect, my friend, I do strongly suspect that you have been collecting our various auditory foibles and fumbles. Yeah, they're all destined for the anti-podcast. We've already said too much. No comment. Casey on the top secret case. 
Uh, I also want to just give a little shout out to Casey. Um, Casey uh, participated in a film production with another one of our um, beloved super producers, Paul Deccant, who works with us on stuff they don't want you to know. And it's having a premiere at a local uh, cool kind of twin cinema theater called The Plaza. And it also stars our beloved uh, co-worker and friend, Annie Reese. Mm-hmm. And, and did you know I play the bad guy? I I've, I know nothing. I, I was asked yeah. to play a part, and I couldn't do it, and Ramsey uh, took my place. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know anything about what anybody else did, so I'm really excited to go check it out. And Casey did all the – Casey did the cinematography and color, yeah. color correction and all of that stuff. I mean, really, it's a it's a it's a Pegram uh, Decant production, you know. Absolutely, and it's called Annie in the City. A N N E Y. So keep a lookout for that. Keep a lookout. Be kind uh, to to my cameo. <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything because I'm in it, but uh, congratulations, Casey. Big time. Yeah, thanks, guys. And uh, yeah, I don't want to say anything more because I don't want to spoil it before the screening, but. Uh, Ben's got quite the role. So. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I, I will be Jesus. there. I will be there tonight. I can't wait. I love seeing things that I know nothing about, especially when my friends are in it. So speaking of things we knew nothing about, we have learned the story of John Menard, and he passed away on October 9th, 1893. He was only 55 years old. So much life in such a short span of time. And originally he was buried at Graceland Cemetery in D.C., Graceland closed in 1894, and his remains were moved to Woodlawn Cemetery, where you can visit his gravesite today. Yeah, it's true, and he he certainly was uh, an important part of a legacy that had its ups and downs because, you know, we talked about from 1868 to 1898, 22 black men were elected to Congress, and that included two in the U.S. Senate. But then, unfortunately, because of those Jim Crow laws we talked about, that number dropped uh, considerably. Um, and when Congress got back in session on December 5th of 1887, it had been the first time in 20 years that almost no black members were seated. Um, and, and of course, as we know, we've, we've come a long way from that. And it takes, you know, one person to step up and, and start the process for, you know, for us to even get where we are today. So I think this is a really important story. And we still have so far to go. As a nation, as a people, as a species. You know what I mean? It's inspiring when you think about this. Yeah. We really can, every single one of us, affect significant change. And so we hope that you find the story of John Willis Menard as inspirational as we have. And since we are fortunate enough to have some of Menard's poetry available today, what do you say, Noel? You want to team up for a reading, a recitation? of Goodbye, Off for Kansas? Absolutely. Goodbye, ye bloody scenes of long ago. Goodbye to cotton fields and hounds. From you, vile sources of my earthly woe, my freed and leaping spirit bounds. Though free, my work to me no profit yields, and for my politics am mobbed, no more, thank God, upon these bloody fields shall I be of my labor robbed. Goodbye, Aunt Polly. Goodbye, Uncle Ned. I am off and shall not come back. This land is cursed. We are in rags, half-fed, bulldozed and killed by Yellow Jack. Goodbye. I've sold my little cane and corn and am off for the river's banks. And when I step on board tomorrow morn, I'll sing and give the good Lord thanks. Nice. Um, Big thanks to super producer Casey Pegram 
for always putting up with us and being on the case. Uh, thanks to Alex Williams, who composed our theme. Christopher Asiotis, who has been very clutch in the pinch hitting lately uh, because of travel and all that. Super helpful. Thanks to Gabe Luzier and Ryan Barish, our research associates. Uh, thanks to the fantastic work from Creole Magazine, The Washington Post. Uh, thanks to you, Mr. Menard, and of course, Noel. Thanks, uh, thanks for hanging out. We've uh, we've got. I, I have to tell you, we are getting very close to our two hundredth episode. Is that a fact? That is a fact. This is episode one ninety five or ninety four. We should bring in a cake or a cupcake or something. We should do something cool. Agreed. Uh, well, let's hang out tonight before the movie premiere, and we'll talk it through. We'll see you next time, folks. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Avalon Waterways. Ben, are you in major need of a vacation right now? Noel, you're a mind reader. I am, and uh, aren't we all? We are. While cruising remains popular, there's something big happening in the industry, and that is, my friend, smaller ships. True story. The intimate ships of Avalon Waterways can go where the big ships can only dream through winding passageways of rolling vineyards and castled hills into the heart of timeless cities and storybook villages. That sounds like a delight. See how Avalon's smaller ships promise greater discoveries, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time. Special offers await at AvalonWaterways.com. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was wooden! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Oh! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.